When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we got Big Ten ACC Super Tuesday doubleheader coming your way tonight. Wisconsin, Michigan State, 7 Eastern, then Virginia, North Carolina. Both games right here on ESPN and the ESPN app. Meanwhile, did you hear what Zach Wilson had to say when he was asked about the possibility of the Jets signing a veteran quarterback? Listen. Yeah, I'm going to make that dude's life hell in practice every day. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and do my best uh, to just show the coaches that I deserve to be there. And, you know, and it's not, it's not in a negative way. It's a positive way. It's making everybody else, you know, better, hopefully. I mean, what's he, what's he going to do? What, 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 what is he talking about? What is he talking it's, about? It's, it's like, obvious. Be, be, be reasonable. What? How am I being reasonable? I, you're being unreasonable. What else is he supposed to say? He's, like, he's, he's, he's going to tie the he, guy's shoelaces together. <laughs> like, I, mean, I don't understand what he's going to do to make his no, life I, hell. How, saying, do you let, you how, do you, how do you let that kid get up there and answer that question that way? It's I'm going to that make hard. that. They wouldn't put him on the field in a meaningless road game in the last day of the season. He's so, going to make someone's life he, hell. He's obviously not. But the point is. In that situation, what else is he supposed to say? Like I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to do best I can. I'm going to make his life Say hell. those things. Right, okay. right, right, right. Like he's going to get more wet willy. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, what's he going to do in practice? Stop oh. before that. Oh, uh, all right. With that, we welcome you back. We are live at the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. I'll take a sick pack pronto. Uh, we got Marcus Spears ready to go. We got a whole squad live in Los Angeles coming off of last night's beatdown. Give me the pictures. National championship game. Georgia and TCU at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, hoping that TCU could pull off some of the magic that they had last week against Michigan, but it wasn't to be. Stetson Bennett gets the party started quickly. Yeah, Stetson Bennett's out there making life hell for TCU. <laughs> Heck of a run, Stetson. He jumped, he's actually much older than Zach Wilson. He jumped out to a 7-0 lead. Then, here's the moment. TCU down 10-0. They got the wide-open Darius Davis. It's a great play. The defensive backs got mixed up. Wide open. We're in the red zone. Let's make a game of it. Leads oh, yeah. to this. The Heisman finalist Duggan takes it in for the score. Suddenly it's 10-7, and I'm thinking, Neek, maybe we've got a game. You're thinking wrong. <laughs> really wrong. Words can't describe how wrong I was. Because what felt like eight seconds later, Lad McConkey was standing completely by himself in the end zone. Well, I don't know what's funnier, Lad or McConkey, but I know it's not until the TCU. Good score, Lad. Second quarter, same score. Too easy, Bennett to the edge. Yeah, they're going against air at this point. This is just a walkthrough. He's the first ever to run for more than run for two and throw for at least two in a championship game. Then Max Duggan, we've got desperation late in the first half, and he's just flinging it. Oh, yeah, you know this is my favorite part. Great play by Bullard. One of a pair of interceptions from that guy. A lot of people who haven't seen a lot of Georgia may have fallen in love with this tight end last night, Brock Bowers. Yeah, he's one of the best in the country. Bennett gives him a great pass right there, but Bowers is a special player. 152 receiving yards for him. Big physical. Kendall Milton takes it in. It's 31-7, to but wait, there's more. Before half time for reasons known only to them. TCU's trying to make something happen from their own 10-yard line, and the predictable happens. Intercepted by Bullard again. Georgia forcing consecutive turnovers. And now here's Bennett. Here's Adonai Mitchell. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and it's 38-7. Uh, and at that moment, Paul Feinbaum, I think, jumped on a, on a red eye back yeah. to Alabama. He had seen everything he needed to see. Third quarter, uh, more of the same. This is Bennett. This is Bowers. The route was on. Yeah, Bowers, again, very impressive. They had matchup issues everywhere. Bowers, there's no one in the country, I think, that covers him well. Certainly not at Texas. 65-7, and that doesn't do justice just how one-sided this game was. Stetson Bennett, brilliant last night in his final game as a collegiate. Kirby Smart now maybe taking control of college football as we know it. Here was the coach after the win. We wanted our kids to play without fear. And all year I told them, I said, we ain't getting hunted, guys. We're doing the hunting, and hunting season's almost over. We only got one more chance to hunt, and we hunted tonight. Brutal, cold execution. That's what that was. That was stone-cold killer mentality. Okay, so the margin is 58 points. The first bowl game was played on January 1st, 1902. There have been 1,556 bowl games played. This was the biggest margin of victory ever. <laughs> Not just championship games, but in any bowl game ever played. That's how dominant Georgia was in this national championship game last night. So let's go to L.A., where Heather Dinich has gotten up early for us, and Sacho gets up early for us, and Paul Feinbaum, who did actually catch a red eye. He's back home this morning, and Marcus is with us this morning as well. So, so, so Heather, I want to start with you, because yesterday I asked if Georgia wins tonight, does, does, the, does the college football now sort of belong to Kirby Smart? And you seemed hesitant to go there. Well, after 65 to 7, what do we say today? Greeny, I say that this is something that takes time to build a dynasty, and nobody knows that better than Kirby Smart. Why? Because he was on Nick Saban's staff. He was there for four national championships, I want to say, and to win back-to-back -back is extraordinary. And yes, they are the kings of college football right now. They should be preseason number one. But Kirby Smart told my colleague Ryan McGee last night as he was walking off the field that he hopes they built the foundation, and they have. This is going to be their seventh top three recruiting class. They have laid the foundation. But he said they can't be complacent because in order to truly have a dynasty, you have to keep doing it. But look, I mean, he's doing all the things that Alabama has been doing. He had five defensive players in the first round last year. He had 15 players drafted total, Paul. And they come back and they go 15-0 and and they win the national championship game like that. Is Kirby Smart, Paul Feinbaum, the new Nick Saban? Kirby Smart is the king of college football. And Nick Saban is still around. He's the elder statesman. Kirby relies on him for important issues. But Nick Saban no longer runs college football. And I think that was pretty obvious last night. And, and it's also important to remember, Greeny, that uh, many of Nick Saban's national championships were created in part by Kirby Smart. I know we don't like to give anyone other than Nick Saban credit, but that Alabama program has been good since Kirby Smart left. They've won two national championships, but they haven't been as dominant. What we saw last night was what we saw during the, the, the reign of terror under Nick Saban. That reign of terror no longer exists. Sacho, what are the right things to say about this game last night and this performance and this season for a Georgia team that just barely got through a week ago Saturday against Ohio State and then last night just obliterated TCU? Yeah, not only is this team dominant, but they're consistent. Think about this. The last team that won back-to-back -back national championships – was Alabama back in 2011 and 2012. And so to say the comparison isn't there, there's definitely a comparison. Kirby Smart, 47 years old. This dude has 
Like, no one else has done what he's done. Think about this. College football playoff era. No one has won back-to-back natties, number one. Number two, I was at their walkthrough the day before their practice, and I watched the way he was on his guys, grilling his guys. He would not allow his team to be the one that was hunted. They would be the hunter. And lastly, I was on the sideline last at the game. They're building talent. You talk about those recruiting classes. I was looking at them, guys who are 6'7", 270, tight ends, Darnell Washington, and their backups, not even the best tight end on their team. That would be Brock Bowers. And so recruiting is elite. Coaching is elite. Todd Mock, an offensive coordinator, and co-defensive coordinator, Will Muschamp, head coach Kirby Smart. And then the players are elite, even down to one of their best players, Nolan Smith, who got injured. This dude was elite at encouraging his team, leading his team, helping his team win. And so that's what I love about this team, and I think they're definitely – taking over college football. For anyone who didn't see it last night, Marcus, as I come to you, I want to play this again. Uh, David Pollack at halftime last night giving, I think, legitimate analysis, saying a lot of what we are saying here, but he was saying it with Nick Saban literally sitting next to him. For anyone who didn't see it last night, this was that moment. Georgia, obviously, you've seen in the past couple seasons now, really, They've taken hold of college football. They did an unbelievable job. Uh, this is a young football team. This isn't an old football team with a bunch of guys lose. Now, listen, the NFL can take its chunk out of any team. As uh, Twitter went completely insane, obviously, right after that happened. And David wanted to make clear when he was with us earlier this morning, he wasn't trying to take a shot at Saban or dunk on him. And we believe that. He was just making, I think, an astute observation. But, Marcus, you played for Nick Saban. You know him better than anyone else sitting here. You won a national championship playing for him at LSU. He knows he was two plays away from being in this playoff, and who knows what winds up happening. What, what, what do you imagine is going through Nick's head this morning as everyone in the world is saying the sport now belongs to his former assistant. What the hell I got to do to beat Georgia? That's what's going through his head right now. Because <laughs> right now, look, and I know, I know, I know we've grown accustomed to watching Alabama, and I know Heather is over here being nice. Georgia is the dominant program in college football now. Like this is first of all, let's let's root out the two back-to-back national champions that they solidified last night. This team was knocking at the door four, three years previous to this. They were knocking at the door before I left SEC Network when Kirby Smart got hired. Paul remembers we would sit on set and. We we would talk about all of the talent that Georgia was able to garner, but Mark Rick wasn't getting them to where he needed to get them. And I got in trouble for saying it's time to move on from, from Mark Rick because he wasn't the guy that was going to take this program to where Georgia is now. Guys, Georgia is not unfamiliar with having tremendous football players. They've had rosters and defensive lines and, and quarterbacks and wide receivers since I was in college. This program has not been dead at all. They just now hired the guy that understands, because he was around Nick Saban, to Coach Saban's credit, how to win these games. I remember earlier this season when Tennessee was the darling of college football. Georgia went in there and stomped them out because that's what you do when you're a dominant program. And then last night, like TCU, I can't wait for us in the offseason to hear Heather talk about the playoff committee got some rethinking to do. These type of games are the games that they don't want. And when you see Georgia maul, TCU in a national championship, it has nothing. It it will affect the human element and how we look at teams compared to what we see on the field and how dominant certain teams could be. I'm looking forward to hearing that conversation from from all of the college football. That is such a good point. That we have covering it. That's such a good point that we're making here. People will forget that they beat Michigan, who was an undefeated Big Ten champion, and will point to 65 to 7. I get it. Quickly, Heather, was last night. Evidence that the expansion of the college football playoff, which is coming, as you have been reporting so well here, uh, was this a good night or a bad night for expansion in college football? 
I think, Greeny, that you have to take the expansion picture separately because if it were today, if it were 12-team playoff today, guys, we would have USC and Alabama. We would have Penn State and Ohio State playing yes. each other again. Who doesn't yes. want to see that? There are a lot of great matchups that we're all going to be talking about. But I want to make one point real quick, really clear. Yes, Georgia is the king of, Alab of, king of football today, and I understand what you guys are all saying, but when you're talking about usurping Alabama as a program, that is 12 years of mm. accomplishment. That's my point, is that that yeah, yeah, takes no time. 12 years, six national titles. Fair enough. Paul, quickly, same question, though, to you as far as expansion. Was last night, uh, was last night evidence that it's going to be great for the sport, or was last night troubling for the sport as far as expansion? I think it was an outlier, Greeny. We had, we had two great semifinal games. We had a horrible, a horrible doesn't describe what we saw last night. It would have been worse, by the way, if Georgia hadn't missed an extra point at the end. Uh, the point being that the 12-team playoff, I think, is going to be the most exciting thing we've seen in college football. So you know, everyone wants to you know, blast TCU and blast the committee and, and dunk on Poor Heather. Uh, the bottom line is that, that Alabama lost two games. They, if, if Alabama hadn't lost to LSU, they would have been in the playoffs. It's, it's, not, it's not the committee's fault. It's Alabama's fault. It's a two-point conversion. It's, it's literally two plays. Sacho, put a final ribbon on it for us. Anywhere you want to go. Expansion. You got Georgia at the top. You got Alabama trying to get there. What are your final thoughts on this college football season that comes to an end last night? Well, Marcus Spears said it best. The great teams do what the great teams are supposed to do. We talk about Alabama barely losing that game to LSU. Well, Georgia beat LSU 50-30, to 30 and they didn't even play their best. Like, that's how dominant this team is. And so that's the piece on this college football season, how great Georgia's been. To the expansion and the playoff, I think we'll see more of the same. I think when you get down to it, the best teams are going to still end up making the finals and semifinals. And you may see more blowouts like we saw, not necessarily in the semifinal game, but also what we've seen in last year's semifinal games. Yeah, 65 to 7 is, we hope that that is an outlier for sure. Guys, Heather and Paul and Sacho, thank you all so much for getting up super early here off a late night last night, and we will check in as we go forward. Going to be an interesting offseason for college football. Meantime, as we continue here, the troubling trend in Dallas, our Dax interception issue is going to cost the Cowboys a run at the Super Bowl. We will ask our favorite former Cowboy. Plus, is the cheese now spoiled in Green Bay? Is it really time for the Packers to move on? On from their legendary QB. We're talking about it next. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. The game is called Believe It or Not. Hey, Swagoo, the Broncos should hire Sean Payton. Believe it or not. Believe it, man. What? Gee, this is a home run hit if they get Sean Payton. And everybody's talking about how bad of a situation this is. We know what they traded away for Russell Wilson. If you want to depend on the guy based on what you've given away to come in and help Russell Wilson ascend and get back to playing high-level football, it's Sean Payton. And remember, Walmart writing these checks now. They got checks bigger than everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's true. Hey, Graz, how about this one? The Lions are going to win the division next season, believe it or not. Sure, why not? I mean, yeah, believe it. I, I, I mean, like, you know, make predictions 12 months in advance. I'll say anything's possible. The yeah. Lions looked really good. They were the better team on the field in Lambeau Field the other night. Uh, they beat the Packers twice this year and finished with a better record. Obviously, they got to catch Minnesota, who's way out in front. But, you know, Minnesota's year was about winning close games. That doesn't always translate year to year. I like what the Lions are putting together. You were there for that believe game it. on Sunday night. Neek, the Packers should move on from Aaron Rodgers. Believe it or not. Not. I mean, we can go into all the contract issues that would make that more difficult, but also, like, he wasn't his great self this past season, but still, moving on to Jordan Love, we don't know what that means, and moving on to another quarterback that we don't know who it will be. I think right. sticking with Aaron Rodgers was the plan that they made a couple years ago, and they got to stick to it at this point. All right, speaking of Rodgers, did you guys hear Stephen A. yesterday on First Take about how it all came crashing down for him in Green Bay? Listen. How the hell you going in to the game with a playoff berth on the line and you like, oh, you know, the memories have been really, really nice. I mean, what? What? You don't do that when you have said nothing about it all year long and you playing and you four and eight and sticking up the joint and then y'all resurrect yourself winning four straight and you got a playoff berth on the line with the last game of the regular season and you going to sit up there talking about, oh, you know, the memories are really, really nice. What? What? He sold him short. So that was Stephen A. Uh, Graz, I mentioned you covered that game the yeah. other night. What was this when it was over, sort of the finality of it? What was this? What, if any sense, did you get from Rodgers after the game about his future? He sounded just like he did last year after the game against the 49ers that they lost. And, and to Stephen A.'s point here, like the same stuff he was saying before the game, he was saying before last year's, you know, what could be his last game at Lambeau right. Field. So say what you want about Aaron Rodgers. If you ask him a question, he'll answer it. Right, and so he was being asked if this is your last game at, at Lambeau Field, what would it, what, what would those feelings be like? And that's what he was talking about. So, I think he, he, he says he's going to take some time, get the emotion out of it, make a decision about whether to come back next year. Uh, the head coach Matt Lafleur said he wants him back next year. So I think it's going to be very similar to last year. What he ultimately decides, unpredictable. Obviously, it's Aaron Rodgers, but. There's $60 million on the table next year if he does decide to come back. And I, the Packers are hoping that serves as an enticement. Well, Mike T., if you were generally managing the Packers, would you have any – would there be any hesitation in your mind about him coming back being the best thing for your franchise long-term and short? Yeah, because, you know, his play did this this year, clearly, and Jordan Love's play is doing this, and they did trade up for Jordan Love. So, would I want Aaron Rodgers back? Yes, 
but that window is closing between the gap between Rogers and Love. And what I would do, Greeny, is I would fly out to California and I would sit down with him and I would just say this uncertainty is killing the franchise. Clearly the chemistry with those young receivers got better as the year went on. You weren't around. And the uncertainty is really hard for everybody. So if you're going to come back, let us know sooner rather than later so that gives us the best chance to win. What do you yeah, think? I mean, I think he's coming back. And you move forward in the way that you believe, if he's, the way you would, seeing that you know that he's coming back. The idea that going out there and going face-to-face with him is going to give you some more insight than you already have, I think is absurd. What you have on Aaron Rodgers is you know that he's possible he comes back, it's possible he doesn't. You have to deal with that. When he has the talent and the production that he's given so far, he's as much as you it may annoy you, and as much as it may annoy his teammates, he's kind of earned that because that's who he is. But you did make the point in our meeting this morning that for so much of this season, we get, kept giving yeah. him the benefit I mean, of the doubt. It was always other people. In the end, it was him. That's fair. This last game, we were at the beginning of the year, it was like, Watson's not good. He dropped touchdown passes. The receivers, the talent around him, they left Adams leave. The defense isn't holding up. But when we got down to a must-win game, the defense played well. Watson had 100 yards, and Aaron Rodgers couldn't stop throwing it to the guys in the white jersey. So, yeah, he's he's declined some, but still, life after Aaron Rodgers is going to be tough. Take it, Swaggo. First of all, to the, to the question, will Aaron Rodgers be back for the Packers next season? I'm going to answer the damn question like people sitting at home on their sofa going to answer. I do not care. Okay, I'm tired of it. Really? I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of trying to figure out what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. And Mike T said the most important thing, because I've been saying this and everybody give me the damn side eye when I say it. The bottom line is, it took them forever to get on the same page with the wide receivers. So now we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers' greatness as opposed to talking about what actually happened this season. What happened this season was you didn't have rapport with your receivers because they were young and they were drafted and you didn't spend the offseason and the time getting better with them. So you had to use that time during the season. Well, that time caused you to be 4-8 and eight, and then get to the point where you needed to win the last game of the season to have success. The best wide receiver in the NFL left and went to another team. Why? Because you didn't know if you were going to come back and play quarterback. Well, the receivers on this team don't have that option because they were drafted and they're going to be there for a while. The second thing is this. And this is why I agree with Stephen A. And I'm not – listen, I have been – I have actually calmed down on Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers has been to the point this year. He talked about it. He he, he led, in my uh, opinion, when it was tough, and he was just talking about it, about we got just got to win one game at a time. Early in the season, I criticized him because it was everybody else's fault. It was the receivers don't know the routes. We need to sit them down <laughs> if they don't know nothing. They can't catch the football. We blamed everybody else. Okay, and I'm a, and 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 we talked about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was solid, but this team wasn't winning because Aaron Rodgers was playing out of his mind. Yeah. The team mm-hmm. was winning, winning because Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon was running the ball successfully. We are going to continue to give Aaron Rodgers a pass because of what Aaron Rodgers has done in the past. Well, we ain't in the damn pass. We just saw Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions go to Lambeau Field and win a play, win technically a playoff game for the Green Bay Packers when they had nothing to play for. This mm-hmm. man went two of six in the fourth quarter, and we're going to sit here and talk about, is Aaron Rodgers going to be back next season? I don't give a damn if Aaron Rodgers <laughs> come back next season. I'm tired of talking about it. We need to talk about what we just saw. And the question about Aaron Rodgers, if he going to come back, the real question is, are you going to take some time this offseason and during minicamp and training camp to spend time with these young, young wide receivers that are very talented so y'all have a chance to go to the play? playoffs next year. That should be the damn question on the line. Instead of, mm. is he going to come back? I don't. 
The man is a national treasure. Yeah, that was yeah. Both Aaron right. and Marcus yeah. Spears. Just but Marcus as Spears. As we continue, uh, we got another hot topic for you coming up next. With the clock ticking <laughs> on the Bears, wait until you hear what our general manager thinks Chicago should do with the number one pick in the draft. You will find this fascinating. Plus, the D in Big D stands for destroy the tape. Can Dallas bounce back in time to take out Tampa Tom? But first, sneaky hembo for Graziano. So we know that Georgia scored 65 points in the championship game last night. Who coached the only team in NFL history to score that many in a playoff game? The answer is next. Get up on ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The unlikely journeys defying odds, and they all collide on this stage with a trophy and a title at stake. Bennett gets a block. Georgia draws first blood. Bennett and the Bulldogs offense on fire. Launches downfield. It's picked off. Georgia overpowering TCU. I mean, if you can't pull out your best in a game like this, then maybe this isn't for you. What was the one word Kirby Smart used? Aggression? The Georgia Bulldogs bludgeon their way to back-to-back. It was a one-sided affair in the national championship last night. 65-7 to mm-hmm. Georgia over TCU, which begs this question, Graziano. With Georgia scoring 65, who is the only coach whose team ever scored that many points in an NFL playoff game? I mean, the, the 1940 Bears beat Washington 73-0 in the championship game, so I assume that's what he's talking about. And if I had to guess who the coach was of the 1940 Bears, I can only guess George Hallis. He's wow. right. It's That's be George correct. Hallis. Am I it's right? George, George Hallis. Hallis stuffed that the swab. You can't stop the grunt. <laughs> that is incredible. Go ahead, dunk it on him. Dunk it on him. Yeah. I mean, that is. That, that, I can't believe you got well, that it's right. 73-0. I mean, it's a standout. Like, I mean, I, I it is know. George Hallis, who actually at right. one time in his life played right field for the New York Yankees and wow. was replaced by? That I did not know. Babe Ruth. How about Ooh. 
George Alice is the correct answer to the question. That should count as two. George uh, is laughing. He and it is 2 nothing in favor of Graziano on the early season. That is a remarkable performance. Next up in our NFL conversation is Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. They limp into the playoffs off a 26-6 loss to Washington. Dak has thrown an interception in seven straight games, including three pick sixes in his last four. Here was Dan Orlovsky yesterday here on Get Up on Dak. That's the worst game I've ever seen Dak Prescott play. And candidly, this is the worst season I've ever seen Dak Prescott play. The consistency with where the football goes into the wrong place has to be disturbing and alarming if you're a Cowboys player, organization, coach, or fan. Yeah, look, we sometimes joke about Monday Dan, but I think that's actually a very reasonable that's take. I'm a huge rational. Dak Prescott fan. If you watch this show, you know that. He has not played well, and, and the struggles have come in places that he's traditionally been so good. So, Marcus, we talked a little bit about your lack of overall confidence in the Cowboys in our first hour. I didn't really ask you specifically about Dak. How do you explain the struggles of the quarterback of the Cowboys right now? Yeah, man, listen, one thing, G, like, let me get real football here. One thing is I think Dak is standing in the pocket too much, right? I I have the same argument about Justin Herbert, the offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, not moving him enough, not getting him off the spot. And I know we talk about Dak and his processing, his ability to play on schedule, to to figure out things before pre-snap-wise, but I think that I think Kellen has to get Dak on the move a little bit more. Remember, guys, when Jerry Jones talked about he wanted Dak to run less, and 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 obviously because of the ankle injury, and we saw all of that happen. Dak Prescott is a better quarterback when he's using athleticism as well. Mm-hmm. I think he's become too stagnant in the pocket, which I believe is one result of it. Like I'm, I'm getting real X's and O's type, and how you probably should structure with Dak Prescott playing going forward in the playoffs to potentially limit some of these turnovers. When you talk, when we look at the Philly game, we saw Dak Prescott get involved in the RPO, use his legs. We see him be athletic in games, and those plays end up working out for him more than not. And the other thing is this too, and Hembo sent me this because Hembo always on point. Do y'all know Tom Brady is twenty and one in the playoffs when his team wins the turnover battle? Hmm. This is not set up well for what they've been doing from an offensive standpoint. And last thing, I'll go back to say what I've been saying, and I'm going to keep saying it all the way throughout these playoffs. Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott will determine how far the Dallas Cowboys go in these playoffs between creativity and play calling and Dak Prescott, one, not only taking care of the football, but also being consistent like down in and down out and using athleticism to make himself and this offense better and more of a handful to defend. Yeah, you know, and and, uh, Dominique, we sometimes joke about you being a member of the Prescott family. Uh, For whatever it's worth, you have been a huge supporter of his from the beginning. He has been an excellent player. And and some of the things, I I like Marcus's assessment there, but some of the things, the pre-snap reads and all that, we were talking about how great he is at that, and that's what Dan says he's struggling with as well this year. What do you see? Yeah, so I think that what it comes down to is they need to find ways, and and Marcus might like this because um, it speaks to running the ball some. They need to find ways to take some of the pressure off 
off of Dak Prescott. Because right now, yeah. he is such the focal point of this offense, and it's not just him being the focal point. Like, I'm fine with sometimes allowing him throw some short passes where there aren't reads, allow him to hand the ball off, allow him to do more screens, allow him to do some RPOs or some uh, design quarterback running plays, because what they're asking to, him to do is to do all this heavy processing pre-snap every single play just about and then yeah. post-snap on those plays and you're bound to get more and more wrong the more you ask a player to do that so right now he's so good that I think that they do want to build offense around them and they want to always run their best play and their best play involves Dak Prescott using his superpower which is his processing ability but sometimes I think just let him chill for a couple plays and if it's handing it to Zeke or Tony or throwing a screen pass to CD then that's what they should do. You know what's interesting to me is when he came back from the injury, he was actually playing better. Yeah. There was a patch there in the middle of the season. <laughs> they had the best offense in football. And to me, my biggest concern is, again, over the last five games, eight interceptions. Not all interceptions are created equal. Yeah. And going back to that Tom Brady stab about capitalizing on turnovers, you go back to the Jacksonville game, they're up 10 points, and he's throwing an interception from deep in his end. If he does that Monday night, it's game over. It's season over. And that's why his decision-making and understanding like where they are in the game is so important. And so, Graziano, let's talk about what's at stake here. Yeah. If the season should come to an end, and, and who would put it past Tom Brady to win this game? I mean, it, yeah. we think the Cowboys are a better team than the Buccaneers, although oh, yes. Tampa did win 19-3. to uh, Tampa beat them 19-3 week one, for whatever that's worth. I know it's a long time ago. For whatever it's worth. It is certainly not beyond the realm of possibility that Tampa nope. wins this game. What? What is? Then what happens? I, I mean, look, I, people are people have an, look, at this time of year. We're talking about you know coaching carousel and right. searches and candidates and openings. People around the league have an eye on this. Like they wouldn't they wouldn't talk about wouldn't put it past Tom Brady to win this game. I don't think people would put it past Cowboys management to make a change at, at head coach if they were to lose this game, not get deep into the playoffs. So it's worth watching. I think there's a lot at stake. But I just, I don't, I mean, like you talk about taking pressure off. They, they have the sixth most rushing attempts of any team in the league. Like, they're not, they're not a pass-heavy team. Yeah. So, I, like, I don't, I don't get, I mean, no, I just I don't, don't think get the, it. the point I'm making is not about number of plays as yeah. much as it's the play designs. Yeah. It's, it's they're, they're asking him to do and things that he's been good at. I, I don't blame them for asking him to do it because right. he's good at it. But it seems this year, and to be fair, all those eight interceptions, like you mentioned, aren't created equally. This last week, though, those were on deck. The yeah. ones in this last week, those issues were all him. Marcus, quick final word, go. Can everybody do me a favor? Uh, can we stop talking about them being the number one offense? I'm I'm so sick of hearing that. Like <laughs> I like it's I could average Who 20 points if one? I'm if I'm losing and I need to shoot and I need to like shoot threes the rest of the game. Okay, mm -hmm. that, this is this is effectiveness. This ain't about numbers <laughs> anymore. How mm -hmm. effective are you when you play offense? What are you doing to make other teams um, sh struggle and think about defending you? The Cowboys right now will have gaudy numbers and percentages will be nice because things happen in games where they have to play themselves out of a hole, okay? And then every once in a while, you get the explosion of points, okay, like the Minnesota game. But we sat here against the Houston Texans and was like, what the hell was going on? And Dak had to make a last uh, drive. And, yeah, give him credit for the last drive. But the point is you shouldn't be in that situation. We talk about the Philadelphia Eagles game. He played well after the pick six. But we always got to talk about, well, this happened, but he came back. Green Bay game, threw two interceptions, actually gave his team an opportunity to win the football game. This is about to be the playoffs, okay? 
Those things probably don't happen in the playoffs. You don't usually make those things happen when it comes to the good teams that have been picked by seven, seven teams that have been picked to play in the postseason. They have to play better. I'm, Mike T, I love you. And I hear everybody say this, and I'm not picking on you. We need to kill this number one offense thing because mm-hmm. that be having a lot of people fooled about what's really going on when we watch the Dallas Cowboys play. Yeah, yeah. they're going to have success offensively because they're going to be playing from behind a lot. They're going to be trying to overcome things. They'll hit a couple of deep balls. This team got to be more effective. Play a boring offensive game and win the game 24 <laughs> to 20, and I love that. And let me leave it there for the moment because it is time now uh, for Swagoo to describe which players last weekend needed new security. Yeah, do something to make me happy. I know some people <laughs> in this league need security. Everybody ain't getting dumped around here. This long arm of the law, he needs a new security guard. They better find somebody quick. Athleticism is a trait of being a security guard. And when you don't have none, you get your quarterback killed by a little guy. Like when the big dude run up on one of the little dudes and then you find out he a damn MMA fighter and you get beat to sleep. You need new security. Swagoo, take it away. Let's get this thing popping. First and foremost, my man Aiden Hutchinson. This rookie had a a quietly really good year. And let's give a shout-out to the Detroit Lions for drafting the way they've been drafting between him Mm -hmm. and Panay Sewell two years ago. Aiden Hutchinson told the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, you need new security. You want to go to playoffs? Nope. We are not letting you do it. We are going to come in and stop you, and you ain't going to take nobody nowhere. I want to give a shout-out to my man, J.J. Watt, because he showed up big, and he showed up with that life, and he was about that life in his last NFL football game. Brock Purdy, I know you're the new kid on the block, but I got to get mine. J.J. White at your Hall of Fame speech, I need you to wear a shirt say, I've been that. This dude been making <laughs> plays since I can remember. But he comes in this game, gets two sacks, and walks it off, even in a loss. And we know Arizona ain't good. We know they ain't been a good team. But J.J. White, Welcome to Canton, brother. And you in the BMB Hall of Fame. That's big man balling for people that don't know what I'm talking about. And last but not least, Chris Jones. Chris Jones just keep getting money, y'all. Chris Jones said, look, man, I need to get these sacks. All I can think about was when LT was in uh in, in the movie, in the movie with Jamie Foxx and uh and Al Pacino, and he said, I need my million dollars. That's what Chris Jones been doing. I can't think of the movie because I'm too hyped. But the big man 95 is gonna have to do a lot of this when the season uh now that this season is coming up. Pat Mahomes them going to handle business on that offensive side of the ball, but 95 is going to come up big. And Jerry Stidham, you need new security. That's probably why the Las Vegas Raiders going to continue to look for a quarterback. Chris Jones, shout out to you for getting your bag, bro. Any that given Sunday, by the way. Any man. given yeah, Sunday. Yeah. This was on a Saturday. The Chiefs, that defense looks better. Oh, my gosh. Well, that, that defense looks Chris Jones. That's what it yeah, looks like. Yeah, yeah. 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 When he, and he's been playing really well. He's warming up for the yeah, playoffs. Yeah. He's going to have a week off and watch out week after that. All right, coming up next, the Bears are on the clock. Should they actually consider replacing their current quarterback with a new one in the draft? One member of this crew says the answer is yes. Don't miss that. Next. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! 
The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back on Get Up, and in one of the bizarre developments in Week 18, the way it all worked out, the Chicago Bears wound up getting the number one pick in the draft after the Texans had a stunning win over the Colts. So, let's talk about Justin Fields. He started 15 games in this, his second season. He threw 17 touchdowns. He ran for eight more. I think that there's sort of a consensus that the Bears have found something in him, that he really came along, and that maybe they have something special there. So, the general manager of my team, Mike Tannenbaum, what would you do if you were the general manager of that team? I would trade Justin Fields, and I would get at least a first or third round pick. I would draft Bryce Young, quarterback, University of Alabama. And with that incredible haul of the additional picks for Justin Fields, Greeny, and all the cap room, because I'm resetting that quarterback contract to his rookie year, I could go get at least four starting caliber players. We could look at Jacksonville, who went out and got guys like Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Brandon Scherf, amongst others. And now I could quickly rebuild this roster with a good young quarterback and Bryce Young, who has a chance to be great. A lot of cap flexibility and extra draft choices. For any of you who may disagree with this take, you should be aware that Mike Tannenbaum's own son feels similarly. What did he say to you? Yeah, there's a lot of people on Twitter disagreeing, and quote-unquote, Dad, I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) So just let the record show that there's not unanimity in the Tannenbaum family on this idea. That said, what do you think of it? Yeah, I mean, I think from uh, a resource allocation standpoint, it makes some sense. But you're building a team, which is made up of people. And I think that Justin Fields has won over that locker room in that city which means something. I understand that Bryce Young is a high character guy and he could do the same thing and I haven't even gotten into the fact that Bryce Young is small and that's concerning also. I think you have something in Justin Fields and the next step is to build around him and honestly on the trade market the first round pick number one overall is probably more valuable than Justin Fields so trading that would allow you to surround him with more talented players than you could if you trade Justin Fields that seems like it made sense to me especially given the fact that he's shown more than most rookie quarterbacks have up until this point just very quickly because you analyze these guys for the draft as a prospect, is Bryce Young better than Justin Fields was? Would he be a higher-graded prospect yeah, yes. than Fields was? Yeah, and the only concern about Bryce Young is his size. But in terms of, like, accuracy, arm strength, ball placement, he is the number one quarterback in this year's draft. And, again, I'm not taking anything away from Justin Fields. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I see Bryce Young with the potential of being a great quarterback. Graziano, what do you think? Well, I know it's so, early to be starting to t- this conversation, no, but not, not for trade talks. Yeah, it's not early. I, I think the Bears have, have to make that assessment. The general manager and head coach of the Bears were not in place when the team drafted Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if they're holding on to their own draft pick, right? I know that they like him, right? I know that I know that they're they're impressed with a lot of things about him, uh, and I, I think that what it comes down to here is if you believe Justin Fields can be a franchise quarterback, and you trade him away, you better be 
absolutely right about the guy you're bringing in to replace him. Because otherwise, you could build as strong a team as you want. Right? That we talk, how, how much have we talked about how good the Jets roster was this year? Right. But it looks like they blew the number two pick on uh, taking the wrong quarterback, and that sets you back. So if they feel like they have something in field, this would be – I get it from a resource allocation standpoint, and it makes total sense. But – you have to be sure the guy you're bringing in it can can be everything you think Justin Fields is going to so, be. So, Marcus, as a final or thought, I, I agree with that. What this ultimately comes down to is do you think Justin Fields is going to be a star or not? Marcus, do you? I absolutely do. I absolutely do. When Justin Fields was coming out of the draft, I thought the talent was similar to Trevor Lawrence's. I don't think Justin Fields, capability-wise, arm strength, ability to place the ball, we see the athletic ability and what he was doing with his legs this year. That's not far off. Guys, this is the new wave in the NFL. Like, Trevor Lawrence is athletic. Pat Mahomes uses athleticism. Josh Allen uses athleticism. These quarterbacks that we see are that are having a tremendous amount of success right now in this league, and I know injury always comes up, but Bryce Young is athletic, and he's going to have to use it as well when you get up <laughs> into this level. Justin Fields, to me, did enough for you to start building around him and still potentially may have time to do what you have to do if he doesn't pan out. All you're doing is taking another shot on a guy. Like, I know Bryce Young played well in college, but if I was sitting here today, and I think Bryce Young is a hell of a prospect, but I'm not sitting here today in this seat saying Bryce Young is a surefire hit in the NFL. Yeah. Not, that, that, to me, is crazy for anybody to think that. We've seen quarterbacks that we thought had all of the traits to be a surefire hit. You know what I saw this year? I saw an offense change, and I saw Justin Fields get better. I saw this offense become more and more difficult to defend. This team was in a lot of football games because of Justin Fields' ability. And as far as pushing the ball downfield, throwing, rhythm, timing, picking up protection, those are all things that I think when you're surrounded by a good coach, they come with guys that are intelligent. And there mm -hmm. is no question that Justin Fields is intelligent. I think this is more about what you do around Justin Fields than not thinking that Justin Fields can ascend to being a really, really good quarterback and good enough to play championship-level football. Yeah, Fields is the known as opposed to the under the bird in the hand, or in this case, the bear in the hand <laughs> might be the one worth keeping. All right, we have, don't forget, we got great basketball coming your way on Wednesday night. We'll be here for the doubleheader. Giannis and the Bucks taking on Trey Young and the Hawks. That's our early game. Then we go a mile high for Jokic and the Nuggets taking on CP3 and Phoenix. We'll start your night with NBA Countdown 7 Eastern on ESPN and the ESPN app. First take is getting ready to go there at the top of the hour. Has Georgia replaced Bama as the number one program in college football plus what happens if the Cowboys do lose to the Buccaneers first take Molly Stephen A. Keyshawn Paul Feinbaum and more top of the hour here on ESPN Mother's Day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones Blue Nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Super Tuesday hoops tonight. Big Ten in the ACC. We got Michigan State, Wisconsin to kick things off or tip things off, I guess I should say. It's 7 Eastern, followed by Carolina and Virginia. All the action tonight on ESPN and the ESPN app. Meanwhile, we always like it on these Tuesdays. Jerry Jones does his regular interview on 105.3 The Fan. Look what he said, according to our Todd Archer, on if a loss to Tampa could impact Mike McCarthy's job status. Jerry Jones said no. I don't even want to know. That's it. I don't want to go into all the pluses or minuses. I've got a lot more to evaluate Mike McCarthy on than this playoff game. Jerry Jones says no. Marcus, are you buying that? No, I'm not buying that. I mean, we, first of all, like, listen, I don't want to – I don't let's, – let's keep this in context. Mike McCarthy has won 12 games two years in a row. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's not – that's hard to do in the NFL. So I want to give Mike McCarthy credit. But Mike McCarthy is being judged, un, like, not even his fault, based on the approach and the sense of urgency that Jerry Jones needs to win a Super Bowl. And all of the talk that we talk about with the Dallas Cowboys, any other franchise, think about if – think about let, – let's just – think about if, if the Jets were sitting there with 12 wins, G. Oh, please. What the conversation would be right now. Yeah. Think about if, if – if the Washington Commanders had 12 wins on the season or even last year. So, I'm look, I can criticize Mike McCarthy. I could talk about what Mike McCarthy doesn't do well in critical moments. I could talk about all the things. We had conversations about the penalties, but this yeah. man's job keeps coming up. And I'm no y'all know I'm not no defender or no coaches. This man's job keep coming up. This man has won 24 NFL football games in 2 years and yeah. is going to the playoffs for the second year in a row. Is it fair, Nick? Um, I think it's unfair, but life's unfair. If Sean Payton want to come holler at your boy, then they better give it a shot. Well, they lose this question. week and Sean yeah, That's one, a different yeah. question. Greedy, it's not fair, but it's about expectations, and it's performance versus expectations. Expectations were through the roof, and that's why we're having this conversation. Ha- have, have, they under, uh, have they underperformed? Not yet. To your expectations? <laughs> not, not, not yet. That's fair. What do you think Ask of this, Greg? again next week. I will say this. We have been able to take Jerry at his word when yeah, he's talked I, about the status of his head coaches late in the season in recent years. When he said Jason Garrett would be back, he was. When he hemmed and hawed, he wasn't. (laughs) Look, I think it's clear he doesn't want to make this change. Maybe he'll feel like he has to. We'll see. Thanks for getting up with us. Congratulations, Georgia. First take starts now.